You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. Let's see. I think you can open your Bibles over to... I think, you, I think we'll start in Psalm 105. No, I take that back. We'll probably start in Psalm 34. Uh, <laughs> you'll live. So I want us to <laughs> turn to or scroll to or tap to. Um, so I want to start talking to you about a new subject this morning. And you know how that goes. It's, gonna, it's always a little bit of a scattershot. Um, but I want to lay some foundation today. So I'll tell you, first of all, kind of where this began. Um, I want to talk to you about this idea of to see good days. And we're going to read those verses in just a minute. But uh, God wants us to have good days and to see good days. I want to approach this subject from kind of two directions uh, as we go about this. And and one of them is we know, and as we read this scripture, um, well, let's just start with the scripture. It'll be easier for you guys to follow along with my brain, which can be a scary thing. Um, actually, I'm going to back up and let's just read this whole thing. I don't, I don't feel like we're in any big hurry this morning. I don't mean we're going to be here forever. I just mean we can get through as much of this as we get through this morning. Uh, I'm going to read it from the Amplified Bible today. But Psalm 34 It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My life makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble and afflicted hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. We used to sing this all the time in church. And so you don't want me to sing it, but I hear music in my head. (laughs) I saw it inquired of the Lord and required him of necessity and on the authority of his word. And he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant. Their faces shall never blush for shame or be confused. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And this is all so good. Who revere and worship him with awe and each of them uh, and each of them he delivers. O taste and see that the Lord our God is good. Blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied is the man who trusts and take refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints, revere and worship him. For there is no want to those who truly revere and worship him with godly fear. The young lions lack food and suffer hunger. But they who seek inquire of the Lord by right of their need and on the authority of his word, none of them shall lack any beneficial thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I'll teach you to revere and worshipfully fear the Lord. So in verse 12, and this is what we want to get to, it says, what man is he who desires life and longs for many days? Uh, I'm going to read this from uh, any of the others, the New King James, the New International It says, 
Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good and seek peace and pursue it. Just jump down to verse 19, and I've got that from the Amplified on my screen. It says, Many hardships and perplexing circumstances confront the righteous, but the Lord rescues him from them all. So back in verse 12, whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days. Well, I think we all desire to see many good days. There, in that scripture, there is the idea of long life, but there's also the idea of a good long life. All right, And that is, we need to truly believe in our hearts. That's what God wants for us. Jesus spoke of it as the abundant life that he came to give us, that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. It's like an overflowing abundant life. doesn't just mean lots of stuff. It means a great life. There, there are passages throughout the scripture that talk about the fact what God wants for people is a good life, to see many good days. And in order to, you know, you have to kind of think about what does that mean? I mean, what are good days? We have good days, we have bad days, everybody has that go on in their life. But this is a much broader overarching idea that in the course of our life and throughout our life, the characteristic, the primary uh, characteristic of our life is that it's good. And there are a lot of things that go into that. And some of them differ, but a lot of them are the same. A lot of things uh, you know, I, I think everybody would agree that having good relationships is something that makes life good. You know, even for people, I'm more on the introverted end. Some of you are more on the extroverted end. Both love relationship and both need relationship. They just view relationship a little bit differently. On the, on the uh, you know, introverts love people. They just love people in small quantities. They love people, like to get together. We have a a good friend. Well, he was here a few weeks ago, J.C. Larimore. His idea of a good evening is get 30 people together for dinner. Well, Karen and I, it feels like we didn't get to talk to anybody. There were 30 people there, you know, we're all sitting around a big table and it's like, well, you know. And, And so it's like, we like deeper relationship. We like, you know, so, but relationships with your kids, with your spouse, your parents, your friends, you know, co-workers, all of those relationships are really central to the way God made us. And if you can't figure out in your life how to make relationship work, and it's not always easy, but if you can't figure that out, it, it makes for not such a good life. Or if you've had a lot of relationships and as you're getting older, you don't have so many relationships, your friends begin to die off and, you know, whatever, uh, You know, it can be difficult. Health, obviously, is a part of having a good life. And God, it's very clear through the scripture, he wants not only healing, but divine health, you know, for us to walk in health and in strength, to be vigorous. There's, there's, I mean, we could go on and on, but, you know, having purpose to your life makes for a good life. Without purpose, people become hopeless. We're designed for purpose. You know, we're designed to be productive. We're designed to have some, there's a satisfaction that comes with all of that. You know, for those of you that have kids, watching your kids grow up and and do well and your grandkids grow up and do well, those are some of the things people really cherish in life. It's a it's a good life. It's a God has designed life 
to be good. And we need to remember that a lot of what we see, the destructive stuff, is because of the fall. It's not, it wasn't God's original intention. You know, I don't think we even get how much of what we experienced was not God's original intent for us. So, and we'll, we'll talk about some of that. But I, I had a series of conversations with a guy, a guy uh, who's dear to me that was really struggling, kind of at a place of depression. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a psychologist. You know, I, I just mean he was in that realm somewhere. You know, I can try and define depression, whether it was clinical or not or whatever. But anyway, he had come to a place where in his heart, he could, re- he could relate and recount the things that were so good and are so good in his life. Uh, all the things he had, all the things he'd experienced, the people that he knew, he could recount all that. But from where he sat right then, internally, he could not see good. And so when I was looking at this, the Lord started to bring this scripture up to me after I talked to him that, I want to look at it from two perspectives. I mean, I think what we just defined is the primary meaning of this scripture. God wants us to have and experience good days, long good days, lots of good days. But there's also this issue of to see good days. There are, there are people in the earth, in our midst, around us, who are genuinely experiencing deep tragedy and trauma and uh, very, very difficult times. The people that are standing at the gate in Kabul this morning are in a really bad situation. The people, the Christians that are being left and that are, uh, many of them are voluntarily staying because God has called them there, are, are in a very difficult situation this morning. And so there are those situations and we go through times that are dark, that are hard. But there are also people like the man I just described who really from the outside, their overall life is good and they can even tell you about it. I've got this, I've got that, I've had this, I know these people, I've got all of this and yet I can't break through this dark place in my heart. I can't, I can't see the good, even though I'm seeing the good. Does that make sense to you? I can see it, but it's not getting in. And so my life is still dark. I call that depression, I, you know, whatever the psychological idea might be. And so I want to approach both of those because I believe God wants us to have good days, but he also wants us, even during difficult times, to see good days, to see the good in God and in our days. And even in these verses right here, that's, that's not all God's responsibility. It tells us here, whoever loves life and desires to see many good days, and then it gives us a list of instructions of things for us to do. And that was kind of where this other discussion went. And it's really hard to have those discussions when somebody's in the place where they can't see good days. You really need to start building the habits that we're going to talk about during this little series, you need to build them on good days. You need to start practicing what we're going to talk about on good days. Because on the bad days, it's going to be really hard because your emotions are going to be in the tank. And it's harder for us to do. I'm not saying we shouldn't push through. I'm saying it is much more difficult for us to 
do the right things when we are down and crushed or when our body's sick or whatever. We need to start speaking healing over our bodies when we're healthy. We need to, and, and I don't, I'm trying not to sound frustrated. We often come to these places with folks and we've maybe had a bunch of discussions about need to build thanksgiving into your life. You need to build a habit of remembering who God is and praising him as a matter of habit. You need to build that conversation. You need to build that that uh, vocabulary in your life. It needs to be a natural outflow because you've built the habit of thinking on God and remembering who he is no matter what the circumstances are. The testimony is one of those things. Testimony is just a record of who God is and what he's done, whether it's written or spoken or recorded on your phone. It is a record of who God is and what he has done, what he's done for you, what he's done for your friends, what he did in the Old Testament, but it is a, it is a record of what God has done. And we go back to it. It's a really central part of keeping our hearts in a place where we can see good days, which I hope you know what I'm talking about. It totally changes those things don't immediately change your circumstance, but they do immediately change you and change me to where we see things differently. We see them in the light of promise. We see them in the light of God's faithfulness. We see them in the light of everything that happens to us in this earth is temporary. Every single thing that happens on this earth, other than what God is doing in us, it's temporary. So no matter how bad it might be, there's a different day coming. And, and we can only see that when we have built this vocabulary on the inside of us that is where we are really intentional about, and I think those are the three things. There'll probably be others, but the ones I have right now are thanksgiving, praise, and testimony. We need to become much more intentional, I believe, about those things. And it's really hard when you're trying to minister to somebody who's already in that place to say, well, you know, you need to be thankful. And they know they do, but it's, you know, I mean, you can feel how that comes across. It comes across the way you don't mean it, you know. It's, it's, it, but the truth is, this is not just a, an emotional issue. This is not just something that, gee, it makes me feel a little bit better for today, even though today stinks. It isn't that. It changes. These things have power to change us and to, and to change the, our outward world too. But you got to change the internal world before your outernal out, world will change. Paul made up words all the time, so get over it, okay? But then in, in, you know, in verse 19, it says, many hardships and perplexing circumstances confront the righteous, but the Lord rescues him from them all. We're all going to have stuff. Jesus, one of the great promises of scripture was Jesus said, in the world, you will have tribulation. We love that one. We have it on the refrigerator. We confess it all the time. But it's true. I mean, he said, in the, and, and he didn't finish there. He said, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. Okay. And, and that's the key is knowing that, you know what? This is a perplexing situation. This is a bad situation. 
I don't believe this situation that I'm in right now was ever God's will for my life. I know my outlook is not what God wants me to have yet. Lord, here's where I am. But the Lord is going to deliver me out of this. He's going to change my heart. He's going to change my situation. It's, it's so important that we start living in a lot of that. God has a life for us. The scripture tells us over in Second uh, Corinthians it, it tells us that our life, what he wants for us is for it to go from glory to glory to glory to glory. And that happens as we're spending time looking at him. But we talk about these things, all right? We touch on these things frequently, but do we, are we doing them? And that's what, you know... Um, with the person I was just talking about, we've had this discussion many times, but I, I, I don't know. It's just his age, his station in life, the way he grew up, the, the religion that he grew up with, that kind of thing. It just doesn't seem to grab hold of, you know what? Start, you're doing PT for the physical injuries you have. Start taking time every day to be thankful to God to praise the Lord, to spend time in his, in his face in a good way. Uh, build that testimony. You know, uh, this friend again, I don't know why he keeps coming up, but JC that was just here, he's a graphic artist and has been forever. He's been uh, in visual communication for his whole life, and he's good at it. But he taught me years ago, before we had anybody else doing any graphics or anything here, uh, I was doing all of that, and I don't know anything about that. But what one of the things he taught me was go through really well-designed magazines and build what he called a visual uh, vocabulary. Build a graphic vocabulary. Look at things. Look at the way they are. Try to copy it. You know, Get on the computer and try to copy it. But build. Here's what looks good. Build it into your life so that you have this, he calls it a vocabulary, you know, it's just on the inside of you, it's a library. And we need to do that with God's faithfulness. We need to do that uh, with what we're thankful for. I'm terrible about forgetting stuff. I, I just, I enjoy it while we're doing it, while it's there. Uh, and then a year later or two years later or 10 years later, Karen will say, remember when this happened? It's like, oh yeah, that was really cool. But it's not right here. I need to write it down. I need to be able to go back and, and page through and say, oh man, remember this? And God was really faithful right here. And it doesn't have to be the splitting of the Red Sea. It can't just be the splitting of the Red Sea. It's got to be those little things in your life every day. It's like being thankful that somebody gave somebody the skill to do physical therapy on my body when I needed it. It's like realizing that, you know, God put this other person in my life and we just we have some great conversations. We enjoy one another. You know, what, whatever it might be. Uh, I, you know, I always use the example because it's true. I'm thankful for it all the time. The fact that we have hot running water. I mean, nobody on earth ever needed to have hot running water, but we do. <laughs> Michaela's going, yes, you do. <laughs> what a blessing 
Think of how much of the earth does not have hot running water, you know? But we do. It's a blessing. It's an incredible thing. And, and if, if we will start being thankful over this stuff, it changes the way we relate. So I'm going to have to back up here a little bit. Let me show you a really, uh, this is Deuteronomy chapter 28, beginning in verse 66. You remember Deuteronomy 28 is where they laid out the blessings and the curse of the law. The blessings of the law were how God wants life to work when we're walking with him. The curse was how it will work when we're not walking with him. Okay, so these are, real, these are more refrigerator scriptures right here. But this, this, these define this sense, this attitude, this feeling that we can have when, uh, when we're not focused on the Lord. It says this, it says, your life, this thing's been doing this, it keeps going down to Annie size. Um, your life shall hang in doubt before you. Day and night you shall be worried and have no assurance of faith. Remember, this is under the curse of the law. Okay, this is not what God wants for you. You will have no assurance of your life. In the morning, you shall say, would that it were evening. In other words, man, when will this day get over? How many of us have ever said that? When will this day end? You know, you can have that feeling. And at evening, you'll say, would that it were morning. How long is this night going to go on? I'm not sleeping. I'm worrying. I'm anxious. I have no assurance of my life. That is not what God wants for us. But we can live in that if by our choices, all right? So in the evening you'll say, would that it were morning because of the anxiety and the dread of your minds and hearts and the sights which you shall see with your own eyes. Those verses accurately describe the thinking and the outlook that we can have. It, it tells us over, uh, again, this exists under the curse of the law. The Bible tells us we are redeemed from it and we are. But it also, uh, Paul talks to some people over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, you're living just like mere men. You're living just like people who don't know Christ and haven't been redeemed. It is possible as Christians to live like and experience things that are not God's desire for us, but, but we can live and we can have these experiences and, and we can, it can be just like we never knew the Lord. It can be just like he wasn't in our, in our life. And that's... I mean, that's scary to think about, that we can be there. And it's by the choices we make of pursuit. Back there in Psalm 34, I didn't even finish reading it. You know, he said, who wants to see good days? We'll do this and this and this. Avoid these things and take these things into your life. And that's what, that's what we're going to see and that's what uh, we're going to look at. Let's go over to James. I think we'll just wrap up here in James, because there's a lot here. James chapter 1. James tells us here, he starts talking about our relationship with the Word, but he tells us, this is verses 21 and 22 that we're going to look at from the Amplified Bible. Uh, but he tells us what to lay aside and what to receive. So there are some things we need to lay aside in our life, not participate in, not let into our hearts. And there are other things we need to be very active about receiving into our life. So this is, again, this is not God has made the provision. Okay, God's blessing can't be 
earned, but it must be appropriated. All right, it can't be earned. And so anything that we do or don't do, we have to always have the mentality, I'm not trying to earn what God has done, but we appropriate what Jesus has made available through grace. We appropriate by faith, by participating with him in life. All right, so it can't be earned, but it does have to be appropriated. And what we have to remember, James is going to talk to us about lay aside these things, and I'll tell you about them in just a second. Receive the word of God. What we have to understand, and you know, I know you guys have heard this a hundred times, but hear it again. The word comes into our life as seed. It's a seed. It has the power and potential to bring the will of God in a certain area to pass in us and through us into the earth. It is a living seed. But you receive all kinds of seed into your heart all the time, good and bad. And that's where, uh, I just actually, I just heard Bill Johnson do a really good teaching on this. If you get their podcast, it was, I don't know, a month ago or something. Uh, but it was about that idea that we have, we have a garden right here. And it's going to grow whatever's in it, you know. And so whatever is being, if you're watering, then whatever is in there is going to come up. And, and it's our job to get rid of the weeds and to uh, nurture and let the Lord nurture the seed of his word in our lives. But it comes in as seed. But there's good and bad. There's, and there's stuff that we need to reject what we know is our bad ideas and thoughts and words and you know words just are carriers of of thoughts and emotions and and all of that we need to the bible says guard our hearts above all things so there is that place of don't give yourself to all that stuff stop listening to that stuff when you find out whether it's the news or somebody who's been a friend but all they do is gossip or whatever it is, you've got to shut your ears off at some point to that if you don't want that stuff planted in your heart. And then you have to spend all this time digging that stuff up instead of focus on nurturing what God is saying. We've got to make some decisions about that. So there's guarding your hearts, but then in all of our lives, there's stuff, especially we come to the Lord, we grow for a while, we find out, oh, there's stuff that's been growing in here since I was a little kid. It's got deep roots. And a lot of times it takes a while for the Holy Spirit to dig that stuff out and get it out of us. So it quits producing what we don't want in our lives. But either way, there, is, uh, there are things we've got to get rid of and things we have to receive. Okay, does that make sense to you? So in verse 21 here, it says, James says, so get rid of all uncleanness and the rampant outgrowth of wickedness, and in a humble, gentle, modest spirit, receive and welcome the word, which implanted and rooted in your hearts contains the power to save your souls. Remember, the soul is the mind, the emotions, and the will. All right? But be doers of the word, obey the message, not merely listeners to it, betraying yourselves into deception by reasoning contrary to the truth. So let's just break that down. So he says, get rid of uncleanness and wickedness. All right. That word, get rid of, means to renounce something. That's the first meeting. Renounce it. 
All right, so, so there's, there's something coming in or something you've held, a thought that you've held, uh, a way of doing things that you have held, and you're going to you discover this is not fruitful in my life, this is not of God, and you are going to renounce it. When was the last time you renounced something? You know, and that's a, that's a verbal stand that we take, probably in prayer, maybe to somebody that you're in some kind of covenant relationship with, but we actually renounce. I, you know, I've always handled this, this way. I react this way. I renounce that in Jesus' name. And that's what he says first, as far as getting rid of these things, renounce it. And then it says, and lay it aside. And it's just like taking off a garment. Remember last week we talked about how the Lord said that praise is a garment. It's something that we actually put on. A garment you have to put on. You don't get up in the morning and just stand there and the angels come and put your clothes on, right? You have to put your clothes on. And we, we put on something that it's not only, yeah, it, it looks a certain way and we all have that, but especially as it gets colder here in Gunnison, we're going to start putting on more clothes. We're going to start putting on different kind of clothes. Why? Because the environment around us has changed. And we are putting something on to address that environment and keep us safe and healthy and warm in that environment. That's the way praise works. It's something we put on. You can't just do that when you feel like it. None of the things that we're going to talk about, and this is the kicker, and this is what Karen and I have been talking about. In fact, she said this the other day, you know, the key is with all these things, with thanksgiving, praise, testimony, whatever it might be, we have to learn to do it when we don't feel like it. And that's the kicker. And, that's, and the key to that is start doing it when you do feel like it. But then there are going to be those days where you don't feel like it. Do it anyway. Because uh, uh, it's 30 below zero, but I don't feel like wearing any clothes today. Well, you're going to freeze. You're going to turn blue. You're going to get arrested too. But, you know, I've had frostbite. It's not that much fun, okay? So put on what you need to put on. This verse is saying, here's some stuff we need to take off and lay aside, okay? And, and so it says uncleanness, you know, we don't use that word. That means moral filth, okay? Moral filth renounce it and lay it aside. Renounce it and lay it aside. A synonym for this particular Greek word is an attitude that disregards decency and mocks traditional morals or values. That attitude is part of uncleanness and it needs to be renounced and we need to stop associating with it. And it feels like well then, we need to leave the earth right now because our world right now, our world, at least in this country, we have, look at all the avenues we have for moral filth. I mean, we have, and, and, and people are mocking. There's just that attitude out there, just making light of moral decency, redefining moral decency. This includes obscenity, filthy or corrupt language. I'm, I grew up, uh, you know, working on construction crews and railroad and driving trucks and all this stuff. I can cuss with the best of them, okay? But I'm shocked. 
I, and it's always shocking to me that I'm shocked by anything. You know, it's like, well, that's probably a good thing. But at the, the language that's used now, people in public office, people running for public office are standing up saying F this and F that in public as they're running for office. It's just, the obscenity is just amazing today. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed at what people will write on a post about buying a jacket from somebody on Marketplace. I mean, it's not even, they're not even mad. And there's got to be four F-bombs in the thing, you know? And it's like, it's out there and it's something, we should not be comfortable with that. We don't, I'm not talking about go out and get in their face. I'm talking about you and me. It's saying, renounce that and lay it aside. If you want to be able to receive the word well, if you want to see a lot of good days, we can't go there. We can't be those people. And this is still important. It's still in the Bible. When the Holy Spirit comes and takes it out of the Bible, it won't be in the Bible anymore. But right now, and, and Jesus kind of said that that's never going to happen, that his word is never going to pass away. But I mean, this is, this is where we are. We have preachers in certain segments uh, of, of Christianity these days that are, that are cussing during their messages because it seems relevant, you know, it it's, makes them relevant. You know, well, that's a little too relevant. You know, there's a point where God does. In fact, this is something, how much time do I have left? Not much. This is something that God's been doing t- with me lately uh, that has kind of surprised me this week, just different passages I've been reading. What's been standing out to me is God's holiness. And it's not that I don't know that. It's that we live in an age of grace and we talk about this face-to-face. We enjoy this face-to-face relationship with the Lord and he's our friend and he's, you know, he's our father and, and he is all those things and he wants that for us. But I don't know. It's just, you know, how God does that. As I've been reading these things, it's hitting me. Man, no matter how comfortable and familiar in a good way that I am with you, I am going to be a puddle on my face when we are face to face because his holiness is awesome. And I don't know why he's emphasizing that to me right now, but I always go with it. Whatever he's emphasizing, that's good enough for me. So that issue of holiness, we it's so easy for us to just become defiled and corrupt. And and not even, I mean, I don't even mean that, you know, we, we have a set of values and a set of morals that I'm sure most of you share, but we're in this cesspool environment. And again, it's not about getting mad at other people or looking down on them or judging them or anything. It's about your heart and where we want to go with the Lord and where we want to be. It says, lay this stuff aside. That term wickedness, it's a wickedness of heart, mind, and character. It describes a habitually evil mentality. And, and it's, a, it's a mind that harbors um, evil thoughts, uh, obscene thoughts, that kind of thing. But, but also angry, vengeful, destructive thoughts. It is the mind that says, you know, they don't agree with me in politics and I wish they would just die. You know, it's a, and that's not unusual to read these days. It's not unusual to read, uh, you know, somebody makes a political point, you disagree with it. Well, you don't, 
have a conversation with them about their view, you just attack them personally. You just start writing what a horrible person they are. You know, there's a, it's that spirit in the world. And he's saying, renounce that and lay it aside. You're not going to wear it anymore. Does that make sense to you? So he says, he says, get rid of that stuff, okay? And then it tells us what to take in. It says, in a humble, gentle, modest spirit. So that humility is, I'm open to be taught. I don't know everything. You're God and I'm not. It's, it's, it's all of that. Receive and welcome the word, all right? And, and that, that term means to deliberately and readily accept something that is offered. So the Lord is offering the word. He's offering the seed. He's offering it as food. He's offering it as a life-changing vehicle in us to make us more like him. And we are to deliberately and readily accept what is offered, to take it to yourself and make it your own. All right, so this is not talking about a superficial relationship with the word of God. It's not talking about just getting a little spark of joy here and there out of the word of God. It's, it's talking about going deeper with the word, meditating the word, praying over the word, whatever God's highlighting to you in the word. Think on it, write it down, read it to yourself day in and day out for whatever length of time. It's still what's alive. Uh, you know, that's still the subject he's talking about to you munch on it, chew on it, ask him about it, look for it, meditate the word so that it can get, so that it can, because it says, it says the word comes in, we're to receive this word, which implanted and rooted. So this isn't just, this isn't a flash in the pan thing. This word that's going to change our lives and help us to see many good days on both sides of that coin is a word that needs to be implanted and have time and space and ability to put down roots. And then it'll produce something different on the inside of us. So, so we've got, and again, we talk about this stuff all the time, I know, but we have to do it. We have to actually do it. We have to carve out the time in our 24-hour days to have time on a very consistent basis with the Lord around his word and invite the Holy Spirit to do whatever he needs to do. When something's putting down roots, it's going to displace some things. There are going to be some things we're going to have to let go of and get rid of. There there are going to be all of those elements to it. There's going to be a lot of joy to it. There's going to be a lot of revelation to it. There's also going to be some, uh, it doesn't, that doesn't grow well with this. This needs to go the word needs to stay, okay? But it needs to become rooted in us. And then it says it contains the power. That's that word, that word power is that word dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. It means something that contains, it, it has power that's ready to be released. That's what the word's like in our life. It has power and it, and it can be set. You can take a stick of dynamite, you can drill a hole, you can put it in there and then you can blast rock with it. You can, it's, it's power ready to be released, all right? That's how the word comes into our life. And it says it has the power to save. It means redeem, renew, transform. 
our souls, our mind, our emotions, and our will, which goes back to what we're talking about. If we're going to be able to see good days, to see the good, to to live with some joy even in bad times, to to habitually and automatically be able to thank God and praise God in the midst of really bad things in our lives, if we're going to be able to do that, our souls need to be changed. The way we think, the way we feel, the choices that we make, those things need to be changed. The word does that. All right, I've got to quit. It says, be doers of the word, but be doers of the word. Let's just go over this last sentence and we'll quit for today. But be doers of the word, obey the message, and not merely listeners to it. I love this in the Amplified, betraying yourselves into deception by reasoning contrary to the truth. That's that deal where some good friend comes along and shares the scripture with you about a situation you're struggling with, and you say, well, it's really good, but you don't know my situation. You don't know what that other person does, but they keep, they keep doing this over and over and over, but they're going to come back and do that. Well, but that won't work because it's reasoning contrary to the truth. I think we need to think about that statement because it's what we do a lot of times. The word comes and we reason our way out of it. We either justify what we want to do that the word is confronting or we simply discount, well, that's just, you know, that's just some story in the Bible that, you know, who, who knows if that really happened. Well, it looks like the Holy Spirit put it in there because it really happened, you know, and, and but we will reason contrary to the truth. And that uproots that powerful seed. So it's a, it's a really bad habit that we have. And as we get more intellectually in Western culture, more intellectually and science-oriented, and again, no problem with science. Science discovers what God has done and makes good use of it. Great. But as, as our minds go to this place where human reasoning is the be-all, end-all of everything, where uh, what we can figure out is what's right, that Bible stuff is old. As, as we get, as that thing's out there more, we have to be sure we're not taking hold of that and developing this habit of reasoning our way out of what God's trying to say to us. Okay, there's a reason he's trying to say it. He's, he's always on your side. He's trying to deliver you from those things that everybody experiences. You know, he is trying to make it so that you can experience good days and see those good days and tell about those good days and share those good days. All right, did this help you some this morning? All right, let's, uh, let's just pray together and, and uh, we'll pick this up again next week. Go ahead and why don't you stand up with me. We'll get ready to be dismissed this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Lord, I'm just going to ask this morning that you help every one of us in a personal way by your Holy Spirit. Help us to be intentional about these various things that we're beginning to talk about this morning, Lord. Help us to recognize uh, when there is a a thought or an attitude or a purpose or whatever it might be uh, trying to come in that's contrary to what you are trying to say and do in our lives. Lord, uh, we know that the Holy Spirit's there to put up those red flags in our hearts so that we do renounce and set aside a lot of things that we have the opportunity to take in and help us also Lord to take in to to recognize your voice on the inside I know you made every one of us with that ability Jesus said it 
He said, my sheep hear my voice. I know we hear your voice. But help us, Lord, to, to recognize that. Help some to trust that statement that they can hear your voice. And then, Father, we want to value your word above everything else as it comes into our lives. We want to we want to approach it with humility and we want to receive it. We want to take it into our lives, Lord, and make it our own. And so, Father, as, as we go out, I, I just know for every one of us it's different. There are various things you're dealing with in our lives and we welcome that. What you want to remove, what you want to add, we welcome all of it knowing that you're the one above anybody else who wants us to see good days. So Father, we thank you for all that. And I just pray over all of us as we go out into this community this week. You, I know you open opportunities for us to bring heaven to earth. You, you open opportunities for us to release your life into people's lives. And we thank you for that, Lord. And, and help us to be intentional about those things, to recognize those opportunities and to make the very most of them. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to be dismissed. And then if you need personal prayer, I'd love to pray with you. So uh, come on up after church. Love to pray with you. Um, but let's just say this on the count of three, Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. We'll declare that. And then you guys go out there and be the church. All right. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.